This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Paraswap and Public.com. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another awesome episode of Untold Stories, where twice a week together, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to truly, truly understand how this movement came to be, where we are right now, where we're going, and where we're going in the future. Sometimes we focus on a lot of different topics, um, and we focus on ones where it's like we're very macro or very general, and then sometimes we get into very specific topics that we've been doing lately. But today, we're going to be doing both because there's a lot of uh, macro things happening in the crypto space. A lot of people are questioning, are we in changing over a bull bear markets? It's the end of the year. I actually call this time like the great reshuffling where people are like reshuffling all their positions because uh, because of tax advantages and things like that. Um, and at the same time, a lot of things, a lot of crazy things are happening in the building world. Uh, my friend Brock Pierce used to say, uh, Bull markets are for uh, our bull markets are bullshit. Bear markets are the are for building, and bull markets are bullshit. And I love that because potentially, if we get into like a, a range bouncing situation where uh, the prices of things kind of stick around areas for a while, that's exciting because then we get to build more things. We get to uh, uh, grow the whole ecosystem. Just look in the past week or so. Actually, today, uh, um, NYDAG I believe just raised. A uh, billion dollars at a seven billion dollar valuation in the space. Um, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just amalgamating, accumulating, building, growing, doing new things. Uh, it's happening, and I'm very excited about it. And actually, today we have a great guest, Colin Pape. Colin, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories and bearing with some of the technical difficulties or whatever. My pleasure, Charlie. It's awesome, man. Great to be here. It's like a beautiful Tuesday morning. And, you know, you guys at Presearch um, are really taking on the non-lowest hanging fruit, the opposite. And you're going <laughs> after you're going after search. And, and as everyone knows, search has not really been changed since we were, you know, kids just getting uh, just getting started on the Internet. Uh, can you tell us why? Yeah, I mean, search is incredibly influential. Uh, it's it's the most used utility on the Internet. It's kind of uh, an access point or a gateway to just about everything. And uh, the economic value is, is really uh, unmatched. Google generates more than $100 billion a year in revenue off these basically simple little text ads. Uh, for, for me, why we got into it, I've got another company called ShopCity.com. And back in 2011, uh, we had uh, done some partnerships uh, in particular, one in uh, Silicon Valley with uh, the Mountain View uh, Chamber of Commerce and a local newspaper there called the Mountain View Voice and uh, the city of Mountain View to, to run shop mountainview.com. And uh, we ended up waking up kind of one day in July of 2011, and all of our websites were somehow on page eight of Google. And uh, we you know, couldn't really find a, an answer or a resolution as to why ended up getting into kind of a, a bit of a, a, a situation. There was an FTC investigation that was ongoing and a lawyer named Gary Reback, who was the guy who broke up Microsoft with Windows and Internet Explorer back in 99. And uh, he heard our story and ended up uh, taking an interest in what we were doing and got us a bunch of press coverage. 
And uh, we ended up getting a resolution, thankfully, through uh, Google, but realized how much market power uh, they had and how much uh, control they had uh, over the internet as a whole. And just started thinking that, you know, for utility so important, there was really kind of a lack of accountability, a lack of community involvement, and, uh, you know, these huge economic kind of funnel uh, you know, processes happening into Mountain View that, that were really bypassing uh, the users and, and all the communities that were, were funding uh, the Google model. And so thought, hey, you know, uh, let's see what we can do to come up with an alternative, came up with a concept for pre-search, but really didn't have a go-to-market strategy until 2017 when we realized we could leverage Ethereum to incentivize people to switch search engines and to keep the value within an ecosystem and kind of align all the market participants. That's a very key word you said, market participant. That that kind of term didn't really exist in the sense that we use it now pre-Bitcoin pre because traditionally you'd have two market participants. You have business consumer, but now it's different. You have, it's like a it's like going from 2D to 3D. There are multiple aspects now that create a community or an ecosystem of a business. I mean, that business can be fully decentralized in and of itself, right? And you have, so now you have business, which could be decentralized autonomous organization. You have not particularly, not specifically maybe consumer, but you have user. User can be now stakeholder or owner or governance. And then consumer is someone different. Uh, data feed user, like there's so many different aspects to who's involved now. Do you kind of think that the token model or like that was the natural kind of course of how things were going to go? Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the the big challenges, I mean, obviously, Google's done a tremendous job from a product standpoint. And uh, a lot of people use Google products and, and love them. And they've, you know, done a good enough job that, you know, even though it's largely been stagnant for the past 15 or so years, uh, people are still satisfied overall with the results that that Google, uh, yeah, Google provides. Hasn't and there hasn't, yeah, there, there there's been you know very little little innovation. The homepage is the same as it was like 20 years ago when I was in high school, I think, or whatever. It's it, literally it, it, the same on purpose. It's, it's crazy, yeah, man. They you know and it, but at the same time you know they are a little bit disincentivized to innovate because they've got this working business model that funds. All of their other, you know, their their side ventures, all the things that they think are fun, and so they kind of don't want to disrupt that. But you know, I, I think one of the the underlying uh, challenges with Google is really just the the overall structure. So you know, you, we we still kind of think of Google, and they've they've largely maintained the branding around it being you know kind of this quirky academic project, which is how it started. But then you know they took uh, angel investment and then venture capital. And obviously, you know, you know that world, uh, you know, they then have uh, stakeholders that they need to satisfy and they're looking for an exit of some sort. And so that basically is either, hey, sell to somebody bigger or go public, uh, which was the route that they took. And they tried to, you know, have as kind of a, a, an open and democratized process as possible. They used a Dutch auction to sell their shares. Uh, but they they still end up now in the Wall Street paradigm, which is you know maximize revenue growth, maximize profit. That's really kind of the the barometer of success. And sure. uh, in the process, it ends up uh, you know kind of creating a, a you know misalignment with 
the different people in the ecosystem. You've got the users that are being exploited as far as, you know, they're, they're trying to build profiles and extract as much data and information as possible. And then on the advertiser side, they're, they're trying to, you know, uh, give them as much of that information as they possibly can, kind of putting those two head to head, the users and, and the advertisers. And then uh, they've created now, you know, there, there's starting to be more talk about, hey, like half the page is ads, which is why there's been no innovation. It's like, man, they're making billions from those ads. And so, you know, there are maybe different UIs, there might be different paradigms uh, for search that just aren't going to get explored because uh, oh, yeah. it's got a huge vested interest in not, right? If you look at, if you look at like the internet as web two and mm -hmm. the world as we live in pre-internet as world one, uh, in, as web one, for example, and then the natural order of things, human beings all live on earth and we have the ability to have you know, contact, decentralized information, a natural kind of way of things to be able to all, you know, we're, some, like as if we're all molecules kind of like in a, in a big area, it's all randomness at the end of the day. And if we look at Web 2 and kind of the internet as a public utility, let's, let's look at that as a global public utility. Human mm -hmm. beings, we can talk to each other in a room in a decentralized way without any middleman or any intermediary. We should be able to do that, have that same connection to, right now. This conversation that we're having should have the same rights, privacies, things like that, as if we're having conversation in a room. Furthermore, and, and we should be able to own that data. So if you look at Google, mm -hmm. I feel like Google or search in general is, is less search, but more of like the index of that world as we know it. And to have that company be so old and closed-minded and small and the ability to like within one decision ban like crypto ads which they did a few years ago and hurt hundreds of thousands of individual investors i mean i know in people who that started when google and facebook banned crypto ads a year and a half or two years ago that literally that single hand of that day started the bear market and that we went through and i know i know people who lost their lives because of that bear market over that stupid decision that google and facebook could have made better ones and we hate Facebook now. We're going after social media. We're, we're changing it. Twitter is doing an amazing job. Decentralized applications. But no one is touching search. It's just not looked at ever. But it's the most fundamental thing. It, it is. And, and, you know, like you said, it's definitely not the low-hanging fruit. And, definitely you know, I, I, I'm certainly not qualified to, you know, be the, the, you know, the guy that decentralizes search, which is when we wrote our white paper and when we brought the, the project out to the, the public, we basically said, you know, look, there's a problem. We can see some solutions. We, we can see kind of a, a different future, but we need the community to participate in this. This is not something that is going to happen along the, the traditional kind of, you know, business axes where it's uh, just, you know, a small team and, and, you know, it's, it's all for profit and it's, it's just, you know, sure. uh, there to replace the Google. Is, is advertising. That's the, my yeah, the biggest we, thing. Yeah. We don't want another Google. We, we want something where, you know, ultimately we're, we're building almost like a coordination market where there's a framework where all these different market participants can come in and, you know, like like one of the key things like we think and, and talk a lot about, like the Google bias, which there is one. Uh, and, and that is, you know, one of the biggest issues right now, especially in like COVID times where, 
you know, a lot of people feel like, man, the information that we're getting is very uh, curated, let's oh, say. Yeah. I'm surprised right? my show hasn't been like downvoted and canceled. It's insane. <laughs> exactly. And and so, you know, ultimately what it what it comes down to is the defaults. Who sets the defaults? Because 80 to 90 percent of users never change defaults. And so, you know, ultimately, we're, we're kind of trying to build a world uh, of search where, you know, there are multiple defaults and, and there are different kind of ways to come into search and have almost different communities within search that are creating different types of indexes. I think one of the, the big challenges uh, with big tech and search, and it, it, it kind of goes back to like, you know, the growth of the, the federal governments and, you know, the, the international government that unfortunately is coming versus when you look at like the, the foundation of the United States as a republic, where you had basically these different pockets, these different states where, you know, people with different views and different beliefs and different priorities and values were able to kind of peacefully assemble in their own little pockets and it wasn't like trying to impose this one view upon everybody, which then creates this, this huge polarization because we've got right now kind of like the leftist yeah. uh, viewpoint that is trying to like impose through big tech on everybody. But a lot of people don't embrace that view. And, and as that, you know, kind of comes down on them, it, it feels like tyranny. And, and so, you know, the hope is that we can build something where uh, different market participants can organize and create kind of different views, different indexes on search that will enable their communities to access information differently, whether it's, it's you know, different ranking order or potentially even a different UI. So. Wow. It's like, it's like a completely different world that we're, that we're going towards. And if we don't have the ability to, you know, index on our own, um, we can't, I mean, basically we'll never have privacy ever again, unless you're in a, in a physical room with someone without any technology. But even that, like, how are you supposed to live your life that way? Uh, that, that's, that's a, it's a scary thought, man, honestly. I mean, yeah. the, just the centralization of information and, and, you know, like one, one of the things that really woke me up to like the, the freedom movement, this was, you know, back in the late nineties and, and early two thousands. Uh, you know, I, I had kind of like a paradigm that I was, you know, I had been raised in and I mean, Canada is largely kind of a socialist country. And, uh, you know, I, I had this like epiphany this one time where I, I, I was reading a, a story about something and it was like, wow, okay, you're a freedom fighter or you're a terrorist. And like, literally that label just depends on who's telling the story, you know, to, to each side, they're both freedom fighters, Right. And, and as that kind of, you know, ability for one group to tell that story kind of comes into play, it, it really, uh, you know, it's, it's scary. Uh, if you disagree with the narratives, if you don't support the agenda, then, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're labeled and it's, it's not a good thing. And uh, so the way that we've all embraced all these systems and these technologies I mean, like, I, I'm kind of hopeful. And I think I feel like this is like the right place to talk about this stuff because I, you know, I want to talk about this stuff a lot. Yeah, of but course. Like, it's like, uh, but you know, if if like we have all the tools right now, we have you know digital currency. We we just about have an alternate internet. 
you know, with Starlink potentially, which is, is interesting, even if it's just like a backup, uh, you know, we've got kind of this awareness and we've got this, this, you know, kind of catalyst event, you know, COVID vaccine mandates, travel restrictions, all this stuff. Like how much do we, you know, try to change things now while we can, I don't know. We have to convince, we have to not just convince the older generations, but either convince them or continue waiting and continue building what we're building. And, you know, you talk to the younger generations, they're brilliant. So the younger generations are smarter than I was ever at that age. Mm -hmm. And so these younger generations that are really, that are really coming up of age now, uh, they're brilliant because there's a lot better discovery for talent in the world today. So growing up, if you were brilliant in a specific subject, I mean, unless you see like in a movie, like what's that movie? Like where Tom Hanks is like writing math algorithms on the wall in the 1980s, like the, the dead poet society or whatever. I don't yep. know if that's like, unless you're that, I mean, they make, they make movies about stuff that never happens. That's what I was always <laughs> tell, tell my friends, you know, um, yeah. cause I'm in the film industry too, but yeah. So you have, so you, I forgot what my, my train of thought was with this. Uh, the, being discovered and, and oh, having yeah. so, access. Yep. So, you had, so you had problems with, so nowadays I talk to a lot of young people and, and they get discovered easier. So you have uh, kids who can be in the first, second, third, or fourth grade and the amount of aptitude and the training from the teachers. That's why we need to be teachers and nurses uh, we need to be like treating a lot better. And, and those, you know, they are the, the real freedom fighters, actually, teachers and doctors and nurses when it comes to anything. But so I think that to answer your question, I mean, it's like close our eyes and wait and continue building and doing what we're doing now. Yep. I, I, I think as far as, yeah, just, you know, working towards that like parallel system almost. And like, uh, uh, you know, we, we do have to paint the picture of what, the future can be, uh, and, and how things can be done differently and build actual working products and working, uh, platforms and incentive models and, you know, kind of just keep doing what we're doing and, and yeah, Hey, if we're coming into a, a bear market, uh, you know, which I, I, I still don't know, I'm totally on the, the fence about it. Uh, but I know I, mean, I like we, to hope for, I like to, to plan for the worst and hope for the best. So I like, People call me up and say, "What's going on with Bitcoin?" I say, "It's going to zero tomorrow." Yeah, I just <laughs> hey, it, man. If, if if happiness is the gap between reality and expectations, you just set your expectations. That's what it is. I, everything is about ex- everything is about expectations. From my first day yep. in prison, I could laugh because I expected what it was going to be like. To to every day. You know, it's actually, but it could also be negative too. Like you could be like, oh, it's going to be a crappy day today. When you wake up in the morning, it's all in your head. It's literally all in your head. Run that experiment. Expectations is everything. But the problem is we're not given the right information. We don't know what to expect. We're expected to live in fear every single day because the powers that be, the media, the search engines, they know what motivates us. They know what makes you scared when you're on the internet. And you're searching for something that you're scared about. Where do you think the what do you think the ads are going to be? It's going to be what scares you. That's the whole point. So your expectations are one thing, and then your your lack of happiness. Would you rather be in fear or happiness? I'd rather be in happiness, my friend. Absolutely, man. And yeah, you can really see it. Like 
like throughout this whole COVID, you know, narrative. And I mean, it, it, it has just been like unprecedented fear mongering and, uh, you know, really it doesn't feel like a focus on solutions. It feels like a, a focus on, you know, uh, keeping people, uh, afraid and keeping them apart. And, uh, you know, when you just think about the disruption, uh, to, you know, people's potential, I mean, travel restrictions and, uh, all the, the other uh, things that are happening and, and maybe around the corner. I mean, we, we have been in kind of this, this golden age, I would say, over the past 20 years since the rise of the internet uh, and us being able to, you know, basically connect with people unfettered on a global basis and to interact as we, we've seen fit. Uh, and, and now, you know, you can see kind of that, that starting to maybe change and go away. I can really see it up here. I mean, Canada. I yeah. mean, you, you, you're where you are right now is is where everybody in, I'm in Canada the free wants state to of Florida. Be. Yeah. yeah, we miss you, Canadians. Where I live, it's all all Canadians, and uh, and you guys haven't been coming back as much, so we need you. You guys are yeah. better drivers. It's 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 been tough, you know. Like like just uh, there there's there's a lot of fear up here uh, portrayed in the media, and uh, it's almost like they're just looking for any excuse to, you know, ratchet up case counts and do all these things, impose new mandates. It really just feels like like a ploy for control. And uh, it's not empowering. It's not like, oh, wow, hey, you know, we're facing a threat. Uh, and here are, you know, different things that we can all be doing to, you know, step up our game and protect ourselves and protect one another. Uh, that That is empowering. Instead, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah there's only one way to do it. And it's our way and you got to do this thing. And even though the numbers and everything that, that, you know, have been borne out over the past year or whatever, don't really like support it being effective. Uh, it, it definitely positions uh, them for more control. We, we're not going to a digital ID up here. Uh, and, you know, there's these, these vaccine passes everywhere. Oh, it's like, all changing. Into, you're right? going you're gonna to cease to be a, normal citizen unless you are constantly updating your digital life weekly or monthly or whatever it is let me tell you something how far away is it for them to just stop you from entering a restaurant if you don't pay your taxes oh totally man super you can do it right and, now and, right now and, and anything and and where i see it going is you know like and and there's been a lot of talk about the metaverse over the past uh you know uh, since facebook changed their name Let's let's you know uh, <laughs> let's 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 really like like you know that's what it was. <laughs> Facebook it was. changed the name. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about the thing that has been going on, anyways. But and 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 you know, a lot of people have been talking about it as as if it's a place. To me, and I you know, I didn't make this up. I read it. I I don't know who to give attribution to, but somebody said it's not a place. It's a time. It's the time where our digital lives became equally as important and then more important as our, our physical lives to, to like go to like your original train of thought where you're talking about being offline and how you liked it. Well, you know, COVID like, like before that, if you wanted to speak at a conference, if you wanted to go meet, you know, movers and shakers, like there was still a tremendous advantage to being there in, in person. Yeah. And you could, you could do a lot of stuff, you know, uh, like, like a lot of introductory stuff digitally, but it all of a sudden through COVID, 
kind of became like, oh, that's the only way to do it. And and now a lot of people are viewing like that physical connection as it's it's secondary. Oh, if I can't just do it through Zoom, like what we're doing right now, then yeah, I guess I'll I'll go and do something physically. And so to me, the metaverse is kind of like this, it's almost like the singularity. It's like a point in time where we have have prioritized digital. And so if you you think about what you just said about, you know, you can't get into a restaurant if you haven't paid your taxes. Well, what if it's you can't get onto Google? What if it's you can't get onto Facebook? What if it's you can't get into your online banking or any of these other services? Sure. And and maybe it's not just taxes. Maybe it's, you know, hey, you you didn't like the the appropriate thing on on Twitter. Uh now you've, you know, and and like this is being done in China. This is the China social credit system. So, I mean, there's a huge precedent for it already. Albert Einstein would would be totally all head over heels with like the metaverse and crypto and everything because it would like reignite his whole experiment on the question of like what is time. That's something that I've been studying since I was in in university. I would write papers on it all the time just trying to study mm-hmm. different concepts of time and I always wanted to know like has has time or our concept of time ever changed over the course of humanity like if you look at I don't believe in like the Bible as a spoken word or whatever of God but if you look at like why seven days was a day actually a day as we know it today etc cetera, etc cetera. and if you read like Einstein's uh, work and he talks about time he kind of asked the question like is there some magic just like pendulum that's like an atomic clock or some magic kind of clock that all the universe and galaxies subscribe to and the answer is no uh, time is relative and so I think like you talked that watershed moment. Oh my God. And I wish I was a physicist or a scientist because I would love to study more of this stuff. But that watershed moment, I think, and I completely agree with you, is because when Satoshi solved the Byzantine general's problem and you could decentralize time, so time doesn't need a single oracle now, and time can be, humanity can submit to what that time is. And because of that, that metaverse now can exist on a blockchain where time is kept constant. And so when you turn off the computer game, you're not waking up the next day and seeing the game continuing where you left it off. It's the exact same time that you experienced in the world offline. And so when that was possible and you start to see worlds and decentral lands and things like that, where time continues uh, in a decentralized way, I mean, that it just completely changes everything. That's the metaverse right there. Yep. Yeah, oh, I wish I can study and talk about time more. I keep like getting up to my own uh, limitations on my own knowledge, and it's frustrating lately. I wish I can go back to school. <laughs> it's it, it's interesting, right? I mean, it's it's the most important thing in our realities. Uh, it's you know, I I was reading something a couple of weeks ago, and it talked about you know, like okay, so Warren Buffett has you know, hundred billion dollars. Uh, he's also ninety one years old. Uh, you know, how many teenagers would trade places with Warren Buffett, even though he's got a hundred billion, you know, nobody, because he's, he's, you know, cash rich and, and time poor. And so time is really like the, the number one currency. Have you, have you seen the movie in time with, with Justin Timberlake? Yes. Uh, When I was much younger, like much longer time. That's when the stopwatch movie. Yeah, oh, no. it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's where it's like on their wrist. Yeah, and, and he has the watch and he can stop time. I was a kid and I watched that movie. 
it, it's it's such a it's such a, a great uh, movie, and it it you know is really I think representative of oh yeah how we we end up operating within society uh, just with you know kind of the the limitations uh, on ourselves as individuals and you know what we can do and uh, uh, you know time basically being kind of that that. Uh, primary factors so yeah it's interesting that uh, you've you've got a background and an interest yeah. in it one of the things that i learned going to prison um all those years ago was that i was trying to to grow the bitcoin ecosystem and enrich myself and due to my actions i became time poor and i was sitting in prison for a year and a half Shit, I lost a year in it. When I'm older, I'm going to be cursing myself. I'm going to wish for that time back. Uh, so I vow, I vowed to myself to never waste time. Don't have arguments over like facts that don't exist yet, things like that. But also like to be time rich. And to be time rich, you're able to choose how you want to spend your time every single day. So if I will choose to work, if I choose to do something that I want to love to do, it's because I want to, I want to use that time because it's my time. I own my time. I choose my time. And so instead of looking at time as a means to money, look at money as a means to time. And so you talk about Warren Buffett, that 91 million, it's not worth anything to him really. Well, maybe because he'll be able to pass it down and make the world a better place for a lot of people. And he's probably a very charitable person. So I don't want to talk bad. We're just using him as an example. But I mean, that's a great point. 91 years old, 91 billion, what would you do? I wouldn't. Yep. Yeah. And and really, so, I mean, like you've experienced it, like being in a place where your time is controlled. I mean, like really freedom is the ability to use your time as you see fit. And, uh, you know, that, that I think is, is what I, I hope, uh, throughout all this, uh, we're able to use these technologies and these networks of people and the, you know, the financial resources and the, the human capital to build a world where, you know, younger generations and, and children who, who are relying on us to not screw things up uh, for them, that, you know, they have a world where uh, they still have, you know, the freedom to control uh, how they're spending their time. And I mean, if you look at, at over the past, you know, 50 to 100 years, we, we, we've gotten a lot of convenience and, and we've had an increase in comfort. But the, the way that we're spending our time and the, the, the way that many people are forced to spend their time to kind of maintain those things, uh, it, it does uh, sometimes interfere with their ability to be creative with their time and, and, you know, to not live on somebody else's schedule. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how everything kind of evolves as we go. Sorry to interrupt your regular scheduled programming, but I wanted to tell you guys that if you're using pancake swap, Uniswap, DYDX, sushi swap, you're doing it wrong. You need to be using PowerSwap because PowerSwap is a user interface, a decentralized smart contract platform that sits on top of all of these. And when you go to Paraswap or untoldstories.link forward slash Paraswap, because they're refunding your gas. If you go there, then you'll be able to, on top of Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain and Polygon, look for the best prices for your tokens and swap and do everything in one predefined transaction 
on-chain instead of having to do the approval to this token, to that token, to do all these different things. Paraswap does it all for you. It's decentralized. They just released their API version five that you can see everything. It's all open source. Very cool stuff. Untoldstories.link forward slash Paraswap. If you're using any of the other decentralized protocols, you're doing it wrong because you need to be using the routing, beautiful Paraswap routing system, and it's fully decentralized too. It's gorgeous. I'll talk to you guys soon. We're all used to investing in different types of cryptos, and we know that you can buy as little as $1 worth of any coin or token, but you can't do the same thing with stocks, bonds, and ETFs, and all those other like traditional assets. And then if you can, you can't do it all in the same place. Our newest sponsor, public.com. It's a super awesome community where they take your private your privacy seriously, and you can get in there and trade slices of crypto, Bitcoin, all different coins and tokens, and also stocks, bonds, ETFs, equities, and it's all done in the same place. What I love about it is that you have all these different investors you can connect with, with all walks of life, gain confidence, ask questions, get the big picture with curated themes, talk to everyone, but they don't get involved in the order flow. They're not selling your data to all these other middlemen. And we got a very good special for you, my listeners today. If you go to public.com forward slash untold stories and you start investing with $1, they're going to give you up to $50 in a free stock, a slice of a stock. That's all you got to do. Download the app, $1, you get 50 bucks worth. Public.com forward slash untold stories valid for us residents 18 plus only subject to account approval and make sure you check out public.com forward slash disclosures there's no investment advice here these guys have been doing and amalgamating all of these different types of community stock bonds etfs cryptos all together make sure you check it all out public.com forward slash untold stories everything's a perfect balance like as much as i don't like having a planned day there's a there's a comfort in having routine. You know, it's like a perfect hybrid. But to like mm-hmm. give you an example of time, you know, like when I was in there, I could, you're not like, they, they would create all these arbitrary rules. Like during 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., you couldn't read fiction, only nonfiction. Like who, who, they, they created all these rules to create inmate enforcement. So they created rules that only other inmates can enforce in order to pit us up against each other. That's unfortunately what a few states are trying to do with some of these new laws. And I think it's a stupid idea to have all of us like being snitches to each other. But um, I want to continue talking about time for a second. Uh, Google, right? Google's built on like a 2D world or like a, like I say, 2D world. And we're living in a 3D world. Uh, modern search is, is uh, I'm going to say it, like I think modern search as we have it today is going to fail flat on its knees uh, when it comes to to indexing Web3 and, and the future as we know it. I mean, I can't imagine someone using a Google interface to be able to take their identities through this like portal system of multiple worlds and amalgamating all of your different uh, uh, different uh, uh, um, own things that your avatar owns and, and your different properties. I can't foresee us using Google. One of the actual uh, places that people go to now is OpenSea. And you guys just actually uh, had a recent partnership with OpenSea. Uh, can you tell tell me more about that? Yeah, I mean, N- NFTs are a really exciting technology. And uh, definitely, I, I think we're just scratching the surface right, right now as far as uh, how we're going to be able to leverage kind of these, these new, you know, uh, ways to, to denominate ownership 
uh, and titles of, uh, of uh, you know, assets, as well as just kind of uh, these, these tools to uh, almost serve as, as, as kind of like, you know, a proof that you yeah. were in attendance, a proof of participation, and uh, that, that then can a- unlock different uh, opportunities in the future. And uh, so the way that, you know, we're, we're seeing it right now uh, I mean, the the interface is likely going to need to, you know, evolve. Uh, and, uh, you know, so much of, of these different assets, I mean, they are, uh, you know, non-textual, which is, is really, you know, like we're, we're kind of coming primarily from like a text-based internet. And yes, you know, the, you know, video has become absolutely huge. And, and really the number two search engine in the world is actually YouTube also controlled controlled by Google. Google, Uh, But you've now got this kind of like new paradigm where, uh, you know, you've, you've got these different ways to represent these assets. And uh, so, you know, what's really exciting with research, we have this community package platform and it enables anybody to basically go uh, into our our GitHub account and you can build kind of these on-page UIs, like, like Google has them for all your common stuff, sports scores and weather and, uh, things like that, where it, it has like a, you know, on page uh, result pane. And so, I mean, we're trying to basically find the, the key use cases right now and, and you know, uh, either incentivize others to build them or build them ourselves. But uh, ultimately, you know, through OpenSea and other marketplaces and other platforms uh, where we have access to this uh, new world of information, you can just imagine some of the the ways that we could visually represent uh, these these different uh, pieces of information and and enable people to really kind of you know like like think about like going to a wallet that is you know right yeah. now let's say the best way to access it might be EtherScan, which again is kind of you know text based, but like what if you you know could go deep into the assets within that that wallet and then start representing those on like a kind of a different visual plane where, you know, you can go and grab the source image from IPFS for the NFT. You can go and, you know, bring up the the logo for a a project that is, you know, being held uh, tokens for. uh, And and you can start to like, you know, build out this like whole different way to visually uh, represent these, these assets. I mean, it's, it's kind of a whole new paradigm. And uh, yeah, Google, I would say, isn't really uh, set up for it. I don't know that, you know, that they're, they're obviously they, they are taking some interest in it, but I think it's like, like a lot of big tech, it's kind of like reluctantly or begrudgingly because they already have all the, the control and all the loot and all the everything yeah. within their own ecosystem. So as we start going and building these Web3 UIs, all it's doing is decentralizing kind of their existing stranglehold on you know control and 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 resources so like again there's kind of like a a misalignment with uh the the incentives of the different participants and you're right though you that's a great example for people to understand though like google right now doesn't index our whole in our whole world like right now crypto it's Mm -mm. how do you you can't use google to just do what you do you have to go to a lot of places so you go to etherscan for one thing coin market cap for another reading and writing contracts, doing swaps on Paraswap. You're doing all these different things in, a, in all these different places. And that's one thing. Fine, they need to be brought together. But it's, it's not happening. 
it's it's impossible to do. So so I I do agree that everything's kind of uh, you know, like as you hit the hammer on the on the Lego house and it's falling apart, but it's kind of coming back together now. Yeah, and and you know, to me, what's exciting is like you know, we we don't. I've I've heard a lot of like decentralists talk about, oh, you know, we're going to be like the decentralists to rule them all. And even like some, you know, Bitcoin maximalists, I mean, honestly, like I, I hear some of the talk and it's like, I, yeah. I, I get it. And Bitcoin has some amazing qualities to it. And certainly the level of, of technological decentralization and, and, you know, the, the kind of lack of uh, a single, you know, figurehead. I mean, it makes it a very resistant uh, blockchain to, you know, uh, being stopped. But uh, ultimately, like, you know, I, I think what we want is is a world where there are many blockchains, many tokens, many different uh, ways to, uh, you know, empower all these different communities to kind of have their own voice and, and be able to kind of choose their own destiny. And what I hope for pre-search is that, you know, we don't, again, kind of become like the, the new Google. It's like, we want to, you know, provide a framework where it, it like all kind of like the, the, the stuff, like, like, like accessing users, uh, finding, you know, different monetization or, or you know, tokenization uh, methods, uh, you know, it, interfacing with a, a user's Web3 wallet. Uh, sure. All these different things are, are just there. But then you can, as a community member, Build a different visualization that you know accesses things in a different way, and and again, ultimately, enable people to uh, you know have a, a different set of defaults, and then as they're promoting you know their own kind of little corner of of pre-search, or it could eventually be a fork of pre-search, that that their defaults are are the defaults for the people that they bring into the ecosystem, like. You know, I, I, I think it's uh, just we're going to a world where it's it's not about, you know, domination. And, you know, when I think about big tech and Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and all these guys, like the underlying kind of uh, driving force for these guys. And like you, you, you hear it in their their words and it's it's like domination. They want yeah, to dominate. domination. They all want to dominate us. And that's why you said that. But at the same time, like, so what do we do? You have we're, we should be less dominated, but we're getting more dominated. To- totally. And that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, that kind of what's what's going on on, on a macro level is is going to uh, be a polarization event. Uh, yeah. You know, like I, I, I think like, like, you know, 9-11 was a polarization event. It, it you know, definitely uh, it woke a lot of people up to, hey, something's weird here. And uh, I, I think that, you know, kind of COVID is like the next 9-11. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people right now that are like, hey, we've put a lot of trust in, you know, a very small group of people that seems to have different, uh, you know, incentives than we do. And uh, then people start looking for alternatives and then, you know, they stumble upon uh, different ways to do things. And, and then, you know, ultimately, as those start to get uh, critical mass and they've got, you know, uh, an influx of, of resources and attention and uh, then you see, you know, the real innovation. And, and ultimately, if it's built on principles of empowerment and, and liberty, then uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, the platforms that are being built 
in in Web3 uh, and largely ones that have just kind of, you know, a token at the heart of the ecosystem that is the unit of value that kind of aligns all the participants that, you know, we're going to see some really amazing uh, uh, new ways to uh, do things and, and to, you know, control our own our own destinies. Colin Pape, founder and CEO of Presearch.io and ShopCity.com. And you guys have like 8,000 other domain names of like Shop Palo Alto and Shop Shop This City, like um, Shop New York, Shop Boston and everything like that. So that's really cool. And and I'm very excited for what you're doing on not just large scale, but also the small scale with kind of pushing for uh, small businesses to continue growing. So thank you for that. Thanks, man. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on. And uh, yeah, keep fighting the good fight. It's a wonderful show. It's whenever I like we finish a show and I have like thoughts and I think about things. Uh, I don't want to be time poor. I want to be time rich. Um, so I believe that like a really good motto is uh, using using wealth to make yourself time rich, not using you know, time to make yourself wealthy. Like you have to always kind of keep that all over your house, keep it in the back of your head, take it from someone who lost years of his life. Like it's not, it's not worth it. Thank you so much guys. And I'll see you back in a few days on untold stories. I can't believe it's like almost 2020, 2022. I don't even know what year it is anymore. I'll see you later. Thank you so much.